Madam, which podcast is this? You're listening to a podcast of spurious morality. Thank you, most kind. <laughs> Uncanny. <laughs> John Culture, eat your heart out. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Tim Chilo, it, you've been sacked, mate. It, it's, yeah, it's like we'll have to just send Connor's audition tape to Big Finish. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is his audition tape. God. Yeah. It's not a podcast, it's an audition tape. Of course. Mm. Anyway, should we do a podcast? No. Okay. <laughs> End of episode. <laughs> right, that's that done then. That's the, well, that's everything we had to say about the third Doctor, so we'll just we'll leave it there. Welcome to a podcast of spurious morality. Uh, this week we are reversing the polarity and it is all about the third Doctor. Uh, with me I have Connor. Hello. And I have our resident third Doctor expert, Jay. Hi. Um, we've always wanted to do this one, haven't we? It, it, it's taken us about 25 episodes, but from day one we've always said we've got to do a third Doctor one. Um, and here we are at long last. So, uh, the spoiler warning for today is basically all things Third Doctor. So, yep. uh, five seasons of Telly Doctor Who, and of course, the absolutely fantastic Third Doctor adventures from Big Finish with Tim Trelaw as as the Third Doctor. Um. Interesting range, really, because it was the first range to have like a, a full time recast doctor. I know we'd had like Fraser Hines doing the second doctor, and we'd had Peter Purvis and uh, William Russell doing the first doctor, but Tim Trelaw was the first like out and out doctor recast at Big Finish and trailblazing. It, it, you know, it's words, it's been brilliant, but we'll return to that. Uh, let's make a start. Um, let's go quick fire. And then we'll discuss them a little bit more. Uh, I'm going to ask you guys, what are your favourite Third Doctor stories from TV? So, Connor, you go first. Um, Invasion of the Dinosaurs. And I'm completely serious about that. <laughs> it's maybe... I don't know, does it still have the reputation of being a bit rubbish? Um, which people have like seem to have gone through. brilliant. I love it so much, but before I saw it, I had sort of thought, oh, great, it's that one. It's the one everyone jokes about because it has the rubbish special effects. And then I watched it, and it's absolutely brilliant. Um, I Yeah, um, as, if we're going to get into them a bit more, I'll, I'll save it for them. But yeah, hands down, it was the first one that came into my head, and it was there was no contender. It's Invasion of the Dinosaurs. 
And it's an absolutely cracking story. Uh, what about you, you Jay? Your favourite third Ooh, daughter story? My favourite. Oh, oh, I think it's so tricky. Um, I, I know I've been I, really I, cruel I, here. Yeah, I'm gonna go for the Silurians, but I also have a very strong spot for Carnivore of Monsters and Time Warrior too. Ooh, excellent choices. Uh, Silurians. Why the Silurians? I, I'm just massively obsessed with season seven, and I th- think that's one of the strongest story. But I also love Spearhead from Space as well. And I think it's like, such a good introductory season for a Doctor. And I think it's really grounded, and you get to know all the characters a bit more. And yeah, and the Silurians just tops it all off for me. It's the only seven part for me personally that I feel like doesn't drag. I can just sit and watch it in all one sitting. I, I even like the crazy kazoo man who's blowing the kazoo for every minute of the episode. I just like <laughs> it. Great cliffhangers too. I think it's a solid 10 out of 10 story for me. I like to think there was actually somebody stood at the side of the cassette with a, the, the cassette <laughs> at the side of the set with a kazoo, uh, just making the absolute mm. racket that is the soundtrack. Uh, my favourite story is also season seven, uh, but it's it's Inferno. Um, mm. just sort of high, high tension, end of the world drama. I just absolutely love it. I think using the concept of a parallel universe to essentially pad the story out to a seven parter. I think it works so well. I think it really helps ramp up the stakes for that last episode. Yeah, it's really, really fun. Um, but not a very heavy story. Um, I think season seven, though, it is something sort of rather different. I think it's very unique in in sort of Doctor Who history. I don't think anything's been done similar uh, before or since. Um, we'll we'll have a good season seven chat afterwards. But I'm I'm going to go to Connor's invasion of the dinosaurs. Tell me why it's your favourite, then, Connor. Um, it is so much fun to sit down and watch. It sort of feels. Um, to my mind anyway like the perfect third Doctor story because it comes right at the very end of his era and it sort of takes all the best bits of what has come before um, and just puts them all into one six parter um, there's a few lovely moments for John Pertwee in particular um, I love his wee, he does the wee comedy turn I think it's in the first episode with the looter um, or he gets the you know they get the setup to sort of distract the guard that's keeping them prisoner and he does the, you know, the gangster voice. Uh, it was you what crossed on us. Um, I, I saw that the first time. I thought, like, this is brilliant. I'm, I'm going to love this whole story. <laughs> I think Connor's Cockney accent needs to reappear on this podcast very often. <laughs> I don't think so. No, it's a thoroughly great story. It, it's like you say, it's almost like a Pertwee era greatest hits, really. And it's, mm-hmm. I suppose you could look at it as being the last proper unit story. Um, there were others afterwards, but we, we lose a character in Invasion of the Dinosaurs. We lose Captain Mike Yates. And yes, he comes mm-hmm. back in Spiders, but it's all, it's very different. And I think the impact of, so Mike Yates as a traitor, it, it, it's huge. It must have been mega. Uh, to sort of watch that in the 70s and this character that we followed and has been one of the good guys for for years at this point um, turns traitor. Uh, But yeah, absolutely love it. 
what are your thoughts on Invasion of the Dinosaurs, Jay? Uh, oh, it's been such a long time since I've watched it, but I, I do recall enjoying it, but I enjoy every third Doctor story because he's my favourite Doctor. So Yeah, I, I'm biased towards all the third Doctor stories because the third Doctor's my favourite. So, And I like the crappy dinosaurs. Like when Pertwee's getting attacked by rubber pterodactyls. Uh, it's great. And I love, 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 love his costume in that story. That lovely blue jacket and the grey checkered cloak. Show me only wore it once, but hey-ho. But good story, yeah. I like it. Good taste. I think it's the only outing for the uh, the blue jacket, isn't it? The blue velvet mm. jacket. I don't think yep. that's ever seen And that cloak elsewhere. as well. I love I love the blue jacket. I don't like that cloak anywhere near as much. <laughs> I think it actually costume wise, Pertwee's Doctor was fairly diverse. I don't think until you actually marathon the entire area you realise just how much variation there was, particularly in his last two seasons. Mm. Um they sort of yeah, they really shook it up with the jacket. So I kept the velvet, kept the frills, but um Beautiful costumes. That I'm sad enough to know every single slight detail in them. <laughs> oh, if I'd have known this, I'd have done a third Doctor's <laughs> costume quiz. What colour was his velvet jacket in such and such a story? That kind of thing. We'll save it for next time. Mm. Um, so, uh, Jay, your favourite was... I'm going to give it its proper name. I can't just call it the Silurians. I've got to call it Doctor, Doctor Who and Silurians. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, Doctor Who and the Silurians. Um, why is it your favourite? Uh, I it's just I don't know what it is. Like I said that, like earlier, season seven is probably my favourite Pertwee season, followed very closely by season ten. It's just I love the whole idea of something that's always been on Earth, like under the ground, that's coming out and getting its revenge. I think the Silurians are great in the episode, and I wish we had three-eyed Silurians back. But redesigns are a discussion for another day because I can get really into that. And yeah, I love Pertwee in it. I love Liz Shaw. Liz Shaw's one of my favourite companions. And it's just the doc. It's the it's the third Doctor's first proper big event like story that we properly gets into the character. And I think it's great. Love it. Every cliffhanger I love, especially the "Hello, are you a Silurian?" I love that cliffhanger. And when they break into his lab and stun him. I like that one too. It is good. And the plague, love it. Bit two, if it, I watched it when the pandemic was going on and it was a little bit eerie watching it with all that going on in the real world. I was expecting Silurians to barge into my house. If only, that would have made it much more entertaining. But yeah, that's why I love the Silurian. John Pertwee's is great. He can eat every single scene because <laughs> he's so good. I think... I broke lockdown with a Silurian sounds like a short trip waiting to happen. Yeah. Oh, actually, another point I want to add about that story is it's the first point that the Brigadier and the Doctor's relationship is strained at the end. I love the ending of the story. What a beautiful piece of TV for me, how the Doctor reacts to it. He's killed them all sort of thing. It's great. Love it. I wish we had more stories that delve into... What happened, like like right after that story, and how they react to each other because of it? It's good, good, good. Yeah, it, it's it's an excellent, excellent story. It was one of the very first that I ever saw, mm. and um, it, it sort of it, it was always a favorite. It always has been a favorite. Yeah. Um, 
I think the stuff with the uh, the plague sort of in the later episodes, it's it's sort of really, really well done, really powerful stuff. Yeah. And, you know, the scenes in London of uh, masters Everyone kind of dropping down. getting back and people just dropping in the street. It, it's yeah. terrifying. It's it's as terrifying yeah. as classic Doctor Who ever got. Uh, Connor, Doctor Who and the Silurians, what are your thoughts on it? Um. Yes, I enjoyed it. I, I, I must admit, I struggle a lot with seven parters. Um, <laughs> but I enjoyed that. Yes, I think I saw it during lockdown as well, um, which was sort of the joys of Britbox, um, keeping me occupied during the first one. And and yes, definitely not the best time to watch it for the first time. And you just sort of slowly get real life unfolding on the screen and vice versa. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. I enjoy, you know, certainly the conflict that it sort of has inspired. Not sure that it ever really gets picked up on TV again or, or, or get, you know, maybe gets called back to, I know it, it does get mentioned a couple of times, but the Brigadier blowing up the Silurian base, um, great little bit of conflict there between him and the doctor. Well, it's a little bit of conflict, great conflict there between him and the doctor. Um, and it's always nice to hear it sort of come up, you know, with the two of them butting heads as to their approach over um um you know saving the world and um, the doctor trying to find diplomacy and peace over all else and the brigadier just going straight for the the nuclear option um but no i i enjoy it and and um definitely think more stories should have started with uh, doctor who and the <laughs> i love that it happened that one time it should happen more often Here's a thought then, of all existing Doctor Who story titles, which one would sound best with Doctor Who and the placed in front? Some great ones there from Flux, actually. Doctor Who and the Halloween Apocalypse, Doctor Who and the Vanquishers, that sort of thing. Oh yeah, I quite like those. Um, oh, let's see. I'm, I'm sure... Doctor Who and the Dalek. <laughs> that had caused some confusion. Uh, well, they did that for the film, didn't they? It is called Doctor Who, mm. but it's spelled D-R instead of D-O-C-T-O-R. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it, it, it is the sort of first, I suppose it's the first proper Pertwee story. Spearhead is a very nice introductory mm, story for the Doctor. Um, it's, I suppose, a little bit, in a way, a rehash of the invasion. It's not really doing anything different. It is a very by the numbers story which is exactly what the series needed at that point sort of launching in color and a new doctor completely new regular cast even um but silorians is when when we really get into what is the third doctor era as we know and love it um so i've, I've briefly mentioned that uh, my favorite is inferno i'm going to ask sort of you what you think of it so jay do you want to go first the Inferno. Inferno, I like it, but I, I must say it's not one I enjoy as, what, as much as what other, some other people do. But there's some great Pertwee lines in it, and uh, Pertwee's great in it. And everyone who's playing the alternate selves, I think, are doing a really good job, especially um, Caroline John as the other Liz Shaw. I think they're all, it's all great. I love the primals. Very glad that we got a sequel later in the line with the third Doctor Adventures, which I'll talk about later. But yeah, I like it, just not as much as other people do. I can't sit and watch it all in one setting, but I think it's got a great cast. It's it's very, very heavy viewing, and it's 
I mean, I suppose we have to remember that none of these stories were designed to be watched in one go. Inferno and the Silurians and Ambassador's Death were to be watched over almost two months, over seven weeks. Um, so, yeah, it, I, I always find it interesting when talking about season seven, people go, oh, I'll watch it all in one go. And in some ways, that's that's not how you're meant to watch it. But at the same time, I, I can appreciate all of those stories in one kind of bumper go, I guess. Connor, what are your thoughts on Inferno? I've seen it once, and it's always one that I've meant to, you know, it's been on my list to get around to again for years now. But I remember really, really liking it. I think the parallel universe um, stuff was a stroke of genius. Uh, and getting to see the regular cast and the guest cast all reflected together. Um, isn't Christopher uh, Christopher Benjamin's in it, isn't he? Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I saw that. And I, th- I think I just... I must have heard some of Jago and Lightfoot by that point. And when he turned up, it was like, oh my God, this is brilliant. Um, I, you know, getting to see him in it, uh, in a part we story. Um, I can't remember if, if this is an actual thing from a, you know, from either the story itself or from spin-off media, or if it's just a fan theory, isn't there something about the supreme leader of the parallel universe being that universe's version of the doctor or am I misremembering? I think it's a fan theory, but one I fully support. It's quite interesting. I must, I must try and you know get just you know get through Inferno again soon to see, um, just how it feels going in with that in mind that that this universe's version of the Doctor is the evil overlord tyrant. I suspect that's something that kind of was suggested in a book somewhere, one of the uh, the NAs or the PDAs or something like that. Mm. Um, a very good book sequel to Inferno is uh, Face of the Enemy, um, which takes place at the same time as The Curse of Peladon. So the Doctor and Joe are hardly in it. And uh, the Brigadier uh, recruits Ian and Barbara um, and sort of gets the Master out of prison to mm. deal with yeah. an incursion from the Inferno universe. It's a very good book. I, I would recommend it if you can get it. Well, it's staring it. at me right now from my shelf. <laughs> oh, there we go then. Uh, yeah. I, it's like something that's got jogged in my memory. There is an audio sequel to, um, well, technically to Inferno. That isn't Primord. It's in the unit set. And there's a throwaway, spoiler alert, if you haven't listened to it, there's a throwaway line from Kate, evil Kate, saying, oh, the Doctor's not here. He's probably off burning some planet. So, so it's possible that there's an evil doctor in that universe because I, I think they're meant to be set in the same universe. I'm not quite sure. I'll have to look into it. But I think that was the idea that that the new unit went back into that parallel universe where it's evil Kate. So, yeah. I've not heard that one for a while, so I can't remember. But you could well be right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's. I think that. I mean, Inferno introduced the concept of parallel universes to Doctor Who and kind of opened the door for a lot of things that we've sort of enjoyed over the years, you know, the Unbounds and all that kind of thing. Um, Would we have them if we didn't have Inferno? One to consider. Um, But yeah, I I do think that uh, it's season seven is definitely a 
sort of classic series highlight is by far my favourite Pertwee season, although I think Eleven is also very, very excellent. Um, but yeah, let's, let's plod on because, um, as I said at the start, um, the third Doctor sort of continues uh, at Big Finish. We have Tim Trelaw stepping into John Pertwee's shoes. Um, and playing an excellent third Doctor. I really enjoy his performance. Mm. I always have done. Um, so I guess the obvious thing to ask you both, and I will start with you, Jay, this time, is what's your favourite third Doctor adventure from Big Finish? That is, oh, that is so tricky. Because the third Doctor adventures is probably the only Big Finish range that fills me with such unbridled joy when I see one announced. I, it's got such a special place in my heart being the first big finish I ever ordered. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you some of my favourites. I can't just give you one. The Gulf is at number one because I think it's great. I love the story in the second box set, The Transcendence of Ephros. I think it's yeah, called. Yeah. Yeah. And I, wouldn't, I didn't like it when I first listened to it. But when I started talking to Connor, he was like, you should really give it another go. And I did, and it's now one of my favourite Big Finish audios. And I really like both stories in the fourth Doctor box set, Rise of the New Humans and The Tyrants of Logic, and I adore The Annihilators. That's probably my top five. Um, I'm, I'm going to ask you, can you do a top one, Connor? But if it's if it's more than one, then fair enough. Go ahead. Um, My top one... I'd probably be split between Transcendence of Ephros and The Gulf, but I'm going to go with Transcendence of Ephros or uh, Transcendence of Ephros just because um, it was the first one I heard. I still, to this day, I don't think I've done the first set in the Third Doctor Adventures. I've done all the others, um, but this was the first one I did. It was the first. I was a little bit hesitant um, before getting it. It was one of the few that have gone for the you know, they do the free first episodes um, from time to time. Um, I got that and sort of thinking, right, I really want to hear some third Doctor Big Finish, um, but I don't know that I'm going to enjoy a recast Doctor. This was way back when. Um, and started listening to the first part, thought, okay, we'll see how this goes. And by the end, I was completely hooked. I just thought I cannot end it here. I had to go and get the full box set. Um, and it was brilliant. I, I love it so much. Um, in a similar sort of way to um, Warzone have, being a Cyberman story that doesn't have the Cybermen in it. Spoilers, we have the Transcendence of Ephros being a master story that doesn't have the master in it. Mm. And it works yeah. so well um, having um, Finzi be uh, you know the stand-in for the master there. Um you can you definitely feel his presence certainly throughout the fourth episode. It's that we yeah. um, she sort of gives like a recap of their time together, and you can just picture Delgado going through it all. Um, it paints such a vivid picture. It's so well done, and it's great for the Doctor and Joe to be put up against yeah. the Master's companion because you get that parallel with Joe, um, with uh, the two of them sort of talking about you know the great men that they know, the great men in their lives, their mentors. And they're talking about you know two, the two people who are their own worst enemies. It is it's so it's so good. I I really love that one. 
I just want to add on to what um, Connor just said. I think that particular cliffhanger is the first time my jaw crashed through the centre of the earth with how shocked I was by a cliffhanger. It's a great cliffhanger. It's so good. It Very got good me. twist. Yeah, it got me as well because I had gone through the whole story. I think I had heard this one shortly before they announced the fourth Doctor and Anne Kelso stories. And I had it in my head that I'd heard somewhere from the podcast or something that they were going to have an original fourth Doctor companion. And I was listening to this and Finzi started talking about the great man she had once known. And I thought, oh my God, they're going to reveal that this is a companion from the future. This is going to be the fourth Doctor's new companion making an early appearance. Um, and then it gets to the end and I tw- it twigged about five seconds before the cliffhanger. Um, mm. but it was the master's companion and I, I, I was just completely floored by that cliffhanger. It was brilliant. Yeah, it, it's, it's incredibly well done, incredibly well sort of, uh, presented to the listener. It, it's, um, it, it, it does build up, it does drop clues. And I think you're right. It's one of those sort of you get it two or three seconds before the actual reveal and it just kind of jumps out at you uh, it, it's a very excellent story and i think it's the it's the one that kind of really showed us what the third doctor adventures could be as a range um mm-hmm. the first release is it's an interesting one it's got the narration it's got mike yates as a uh, in a companion role in one episode, he even goes into space travels in the TARDIS, which I like the idea of, and it's kind of a shame they've never never done more of that, really. But, um, yeah, I think that um, Transcendence of Ephros really was the first one that kind of sort of showcased what the 3DAs were going to be or should be. Um, and, yeah, it ended up being quite a significant story and i i really am going to go back and listen to it sometime because it's it's a great piece uh one that you both mentioned then is uh the gulf um another one that i'm a big fan of uh am i right in thinking it's the first one to feature sarah jane in the third yes no yeah no it was was, her her first audio or her first 3d a first her first sort of big finished third Doctor adventure, yeah. Oh yeah, it's her first three D A, but it wasn't her first audio. Uh, we'd heard her in um, Return, Return of the Cybermen beforehand, hadn't we? Yeah, but yeah, it was yeah. her first three D A, the Gulf, and I think it, it's it's a good story for Sarah, and I think I mean that set it was um, was it Volume Seven that kind of it gave us two. After a lot yeah. of Joe, it gave us Liz and it gave us uh, Sarah, both recast, both Opened played so by... many doors. Oh, yeah. Uh, both played by daughters of the original actors as well. It, it just mm-hmm. it, It's fantastic. That set worked so well. However, yeah. I can't help but look at that cover uh, for Volume 7, Third Doctor Adventures Volume 7, and John Pertwee on that cover is kind of looking around and going, Hang on a minute, aren't we all dead? <laughs> um, just the expression on his face, I've never ever been able to look at it any other way. He's just sort he's of, he's like, there. why am I on Peter Capaldi's body? He's... <laughs> but he's there with the Brigadier, he's there with Sarah, and he's there with Liz, and he's like, hang on a moment. Um, 
But I, I, uh, Volume 7 is one of my favourite uh, Doctor releases. Uh, the Unzal Incursion is... It's a nice taste of Season 7. It's not quite a Season 7 story. Um, it's not the big, ambitious uh, seven-parter that uh, the Annihilators, which we'll discuss afterwards, uh, would end up being. But I think it's a really nice prototype. It's a really nice sort of example of them just sort of tipping the hat to the year and going, hello, Season 7, we're, we're going to explore you a bit from now on. Um, and I, I do enjoy that. But the gulf uh, is undoubtedly a really strong piece of season 11 so connor you go first talk to us about the gulf um it's very very strong i i love i think the main thing i love about it is the setting um with the spin drifter in the middle of this great big expansive ocean it sort of calls to mind you know um you know the big fort and the sea devils that sort of setting so it calls that back to mind you know from you know, a very strong image of the Third Doctor's era um, or a very strong feeling of the Third Doctor's era, but it does feel very new as well um, because it's 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 not the same. It's that sort of setting in space. Um, it's, it's, it's um, yeah, I really enjoy it. I was delighted to get an original Sarah Jane story because as much as I re- enjoyed Return of the Cybermen, I'm all for Big Finish, you know, taking... You know these TV characters and doing completely new stories, um, rather than recreating, you know, an older one. So I I loved Return of the Cybermen at the time for being um, you know, Sarah and Harry's introduction, but it was really the Gulf that I was excited for when it was announced because that's the to my mind that's the first big finish Sarah Jane Smith story, the first new one. Um, I really love Marta in the Gulf as well, and she's played wonderfully by uh, Wendy Craig. Um, and she gets to go on a wee bit of a journey of discovery. She gets to learn to see past sort of the propaganda that she's been um, party to, that she has sort of taken in and become very passionate about. Um, you know, she's very strongly against the Barbary rebels. But then she finds out that her daughter was a member of them and and was killed in service to them. Um, and And she sort of gets to realise that what she's been told and what she has believed about them isn't true. And then the, as the doctor explains, once he and Sarah get back to the TARDIS, she goes on and becomes an advocate for them and the injustices that um, uh, Depo have done against them. So really, really love that story. I really, really, you know, I love Marta's story. I love the story as a whole. Um, more Third Doctor by Tim Foley, please. More more anything by Tim Foley, please. Because his um, Sarah Jane and Third Doctor, um, Catholic Doctor's new monster story is also very good. Yes, absolutely. Um, definitely is. Uh, Jay, your thoughts on the Gulf? Well, there's not much that Ziggy said that I, I, I can add to, really, because he's basically summarised my feelings to all it. I remember... I can't, I can't remember if I, I think I found it out via Doctor Who magazine when I bought it. And I probably, everyone on my street probably heard me scream. Because, like I said earlier, having Liz and Sarah Jane now in this range has sort of refreshed it. Has opened so many doors, they can bridge the gap between season seven and eight. What happened then and sort of thing. And I think, both, I think um, Sadie Miller is splendid in her mother's role. 
I think she does such a good job as Sarah Jane. And every release from this one, she just gets that little bit better. And what sold me f her voice to me, it's going to sound really stupid, but it's when in the trailer she says mermaids, I think she sounded exactly like Elizabeth, uh, her mum. Uh, what a weird thing for me to be sold on. That's why I was like, yeah, I, I, I like Sarah, Sadie Miller as Sarah Jane. Because I was a little bit concerned after Return of the Cybermen because I thought she, she sounded like her mum, but she wasn't 100%. And a bit worried what she'd be like with another recast. But I thought she was great. So my my um, fears were soon stamped on. I thought, great story, great setting, great monster, great villain, great ending. So there's nothing else much I can say about it. It's just a great... I, I think... That was my favourite release of 2021, actually. The Volume 7 of the 3DAs. Very good stuff. Tim Foley's just a genius. I think, currently, he's the best writer for Big Finish. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, I can only echo that about Tim Foley. What both of you have said, he's he's producing some very, very excellent stuff. And uh, it, it, it is always sort of a... A reason for excitement when we see the name Tim Foley on an announcement about an upcoming release and that sort of thing. Um, Tim Foley's the next River set, isn't he? Yep. Uh, and the only one, the very rare for me to order a River Song set, but I'll be getting that. Yeah, there's there's no way. Uh, I think quite a few people. There's no way they'd they'd be missing that. Um, I'm going to just throw uh, Primord out there as not necessarily my favourite, but it was it was the first story in the 3DAs that kind of really caught my interest and really made me excited about an upcoming set. I've always enjoyed them, but I've never quite had, uh, or until that point, I'd never quite had that sense of anticipation for them. Uh, but, we, you know, we, we had... Um, it was announced that Liz Shaw was coming back. It was announced that John Culshaw was going to be the Brigadier. And we got that first trailer and I heard both of them in that trailer and thought, oh, yeah, we're onto something here. This this is uh. going to be good. I'm glad that we're moving in this direction. I'm glad that the range is getting more confident with its recasts because the only way this era is going to be decently represented at Big Finish is through recasts. Um and it's it has been a success, and I'm glad it's been a success because we've now got recast first and second Doctor Adventures, which are also excellent. So mm -hmm. um, I'm really glad that they sort of... It took them a while. This was set five, but they finally sort of got the confidence to go, all right, well, we've successfully recast the third Doctor. Let's have a go at Liz. Let's have a go at the Brigadier. Um, and... I think Primord sort of was the perfect story to kind of bring all that in. Uh, it was still a Joe story. Uh, you know, they sort of confidently told us that Joe isn't being sidelined. But um, we, uh, we, we're going to have, we're going to bring Liz into this and we're going to bring the Brigadier into this as well. And I think revisiting Liz sort of a couple of years down the line after she'd left unit was absolutely the right way to go with that. Uh, so, Connor, I'll ask you first your thoughts on Primord. Um, yes, really enjoyed it. Um, very solid sequel. 
And I loved, I, or I really appreciated at the time how they used Liz, that it wasn't just a straight up um, companion return, um, you know, to, to be alongside Joe. She's actually the, she's actually the main villain of the story in a way. Um, and I thought I, I appreciated that, that it was, it was an interesting way to use the character. I don't think she was originally planned to be in that. I think it was John Dorney um, had asked for her to be included whenever he was writing Primord, um, rather than, you know, uh, the producers deciding, right, we're going to bring back the Brigadier and we're going to bring back Liz Shaw. It was, it was, um, it came about as part of writing the story. Um, I, I, I think it's, I, I, and yes, as I think Jay said earlier, it opened a lot of doors for the Third Doctor Adventures in that up until then they had had to come up with excuses almost for not having, you know, the Brigadier or, you you know, a lot of heavy involvement from Unit. And while I like that, I like that sense of creativity that it brought to the range. It did feel like, okay, the Third Doctor Adventures have now arrived. Um, We have a Unit story, we have the Brigadier and we have uh, Liz Shaw. So yes, um, an important story for the range and and a very enjoyable one too. Absolutely. Uh, what about you, Jay? Uh, like like Connor said, having not having the brig having the brig not having the brigadier and the other releases was sort of a big gap, considering how much of a big part it is of that era. And I I love it. it like like I said, it's probably in my top. It is in my top five. And it's a, an exciting story for me. It, I, so I don't have the same issues with it as some other people do. But yeah, good story. Ziggy's pretty much, again, said everything that I was going to say. There's not much that I can really add on to it. And I like the twist of Liz. I think it's good. Another jaw-dropping cliffhanger for me. But yeah, it's, great. it's definitely a good range for cliffhangers. I don't um, give 10 out of 10s out often, but I'll give that a 10 out of 10. Yeah, absolutely. It's Like I say, it's not necessarily my favourite of the range, but it's I do really enjoy it, and it's definitely one that was the first one that I sort of genuinely had this real sense of anticipation for, and it, it certainly mm, didn't let down. Um, another story that I had a great deal of anticipation before, it was perhaps um, at the point... It was released earlier this year. It was certainly the most anticipated story of the year so far. No, it was February. Uh, but The Annihilators. Um, oh, yeah. And Rush. it was... It, it wasn't just, okay, we've got Liz. It's, we're doing a proper season seven, seven-parter. Mm. Um, and that announcement alone was enough to get me really excited. And then they did another announcement with another variation of the cover. And all of a sudden, the second Doctor and Jamie were going to be in it as well. And the thought of the second Doctor and Jamie, who are, you know, the second Doctor is, as I've said many times on this podcast, my favourite. Um, I think the second Doctor and Jamie are one of the great, the greatest mm. duos that Doctor Who's ever brought us. So them in a season seven style story was a sort of particularly exciting prospect. Um, at the time we record this, it is the most recent Third Doctor Adventures release. We have had a Third Doctor story in Classic Doctor's New Monsters, but we, we talked about that last month, didn't we? Um, so yeah, the Annihilators, that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, 
do you think that it's despite throwing in the second Doctor and Jamie, do you think it sort of managed to still be sort of a really, I suppose, true to era season seven story? Jay, you go first. Oh, absolutely, a hundred percent. I I really think it does because I think it's all evenly spread out enough for it to be a proper season seven story, and I it did feel like one. And I'm not usually one who enjoys Nicholas Briggs scripts. But I think it's the best Nicholas Briggs script he's ever done, in my opinion. I love it. It felt that it was literally pure season seven goodness. And Michael Chowton was great. I loved Michael Chowton. It was a nice addition, but even then, he wasn't the focus for me in it because Tim Chalor and and not Sadie Miller and Daisy Ashford are so good in it. And and there's a thing I do where I have a little prediction list and a seven part um, season seven story was at the top of that list. I don't know if you'll both remember when that particular story was announced. I seem to recall a very big keyboard smash of excitement, but I was beyond thrilled, and it was everything that I wanted it to be and more to the point where currently it's sitting at my favourite release of 2022. It's Yeah, it's definitely up there for me as well as one of the best of the year. Um, Connor, what about you? Yes, I think it's strong. Um, I my main thing with it is I wish they had kept the second Doctor and Jamie a secret. Um, it's something Big Finish have started doing recently, is where they give away their own twists, either in 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 press releases or on the covers, and it's like the build up to the second Doctor and Jamie arriving in the Annihilators is so good. You get the you know the hints and teases. I think I'd have dropped the second Doctor appearing to the third Doctor in the in the opening scene. But it's the it's the bit where their TARDIS sort of appears and they get to step out. I think you first hear them on one of the alien monitors, and then it sort of transitions into, you know, the scene with them, and you you know there's none of the interference. They make if that had been you know if that had come on unspoiled, if they'd kept the original cover, if they had never announced, and that had been, I probably would have said that would have been one of the greatest cliffhangers of all time. Um, would have been the new Second Doctor and Jamie turning up, but I think. It sounds exactly like they've taken a season, you know, a lost season te- seven TV story, and just put it on audio. It sounds so authentic. The sound design is done so well. You can imagine exactly how it would have looked at the time. Um, it's it's definitely a strong one and, and nice for the range to break away from its old format and into mm. something new as well. Yeah, absolutely, and. Um... Uh, like you say, uh, that imagine that second Doctor reveal had been a cliffhanger and we hadn't have known mm. anything about it. I do kind of wish that there had been a few things in the last year uh, where we've had you know, an announcement and then a second announcement going, by the way, this is happening too. I guess the closest we've got to an all-out surprise appearance was um, the Cybermen in the Ninth Doctor Adventures, the end of the first series, they're old friends. Mm. Um, when it wasn't until the day of the release that we got the cover with the Cybermen on. Um, and uh, But I guess that's the closest we've had to a proper sort of out-and-out surprise. But I guess there's the balance between wanting to surprise, wanting to reward you for listening, but at the same time, obviously, Big Finish got to get those pre-orders, and the way they're going to do that is by sort of revealing beforehand that the second Doctor and Jamie turn up. Um, The one thing 
the other thing I should say the Annihilators does very well is it's um, it's a surprise sort of pilot for the second Doctor Adventures uh, with Michael Troughton. It's it sort of tells us what that range even at this point we've had a release now but it tells us what that range is going to be like it's not happened yet but obviously we know that at some point the doctor does meet up with jamie again and resume his travels with jamie and i'm particularly looking forward to getting to that point and it's sort of it's nice to know that we do get there and it's the annihilators that's told us that it was just as well neither i, I didn't no one could have known at the time the annihilators came out but now that the you know the Beyond War Games is out and we've heard it, these you know Beyond War Games in season seven are taking place at the same time. You know where the second Doctor is in in that series is an offshoot of the original, and we get that little bit. You know we hear a little bit of the third Doctor and the Brigadier in in um uh the final beginning. Um, so I it makes a lot of sense to have that crossover. I remember some criticism at the time that it might cheapen the third, you know, the three doctors by having in, you know, if you're listening to these in continuity order, you'll, you'll already have had a big second doctor and third doctor crossover by the time you get to the three doctors. But it makes a lot of sense now that we got this crossover, you know, at that point in the timeline and um, because the two series are meant to take place at the same time. Mm. I mean, it's, Suppose the other thing to consider is it did come fifty years later than the three doctors. It's that kind of had its impact by now. Yeah, that's also true. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's by the same logic. The five doctors cheapens the three doctors. Yeah, it, I never bought into that at all. I never kind of uh, got on board with that. I just, I think it's great that they they managed to do an interesting multi doctor story. They managed to sort of introduce an interesting concept as this kind of splinter second doctor. Um, and I also love the fact that in 2022, we're discussing and theorizing about what's going to happen next to the second doctor. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think that's absolutely fantastic. And of course we do the same with the third doctor. Um, oh, yeah. And what we have, I know, bringing us back on soft topic and all that, what we have next with the third Doctor is Kaleidoscope. It's a season 11 six-parter. Um, it, it looks epic. It's, it's, a, it's a unit story to an extent, obviously. Um, looks like, from the cover, it looks like we've got some proper season 11-style action Pertwee going on. Um, I have high hopes for this. Uh, so what are you expecting, anticipating... Jay. Well, right, uh, it's quite funny because hang on, it's quite funny because right under a seven-part list story on my want list is a six-part Sarah Jane season eleven story. So I, I've also got that this year, and I'm so looking forward to it. Uh, I love, I love season eleven, so that's another reason I'm excited. I don't really want to say what I'm expecting from it. Because I don't know what I'm expecting from it, really, from what I've read. I'm just hoping it's just going to be as good as the Annihilators and they're going to keep on the path of these really strong sets now that they've changed the format. But super excited to hear Sadie Miller again in a six-part story. Six parts of Sadie Miller. How lucky are we? I'm so excited for it. 
and we've had a within the last month an excellent six parter already in the form of the Auton Infinity. So big finish mm. and sort of longer stories. We're, we're having a good year for it with the Annihilators and that. I've high hopes for Kaleidoscope uh, as a result of that. Uh, what are you sort of looking forward to about it, Connor? Um, again, I don't really know if there's anything in particular I'm looking forward to. I I know for me the third Doctor Adventures are always appointment listening. It's one of the few ranges I make a point of getting on CD. Um, um you know the whole way through. Um, it's it's I'm delighted that we're getting a whole box set with Sadie Miller as Sarah Jane Smith, and I'm just reading over here the the um the blurb at the moment, and it seems like it, quite a lot of the story is going to be focused on her. So I'm looking forward to that. And just, you know, look at that cover. It just looks like it's going to be, you know, a sort of typical third Doctor, as you said, you know, action-oriented, um, James Bond, gadgety sort of fun. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm just bring it on. Absolutely. Um, and just very quickly before we finish, it's wish list time. What would you like oh, to see? Go, Here out. we go. What would you <laughs> like to see from the third Doctor Adventures moving forward? Uh, I mean, I could ask Connor to go first, but I don't think that's an option, is it, Jay? Go ahead. No. Right. It is my list. A six-part, also a six-part or five-part um, Joe story. So you could set in season eight or something. I really want them to have the Delgado Master because it's what we're missing from this range. I I don't necessarily want John Coleshaw to voice him though, because I I think his Ainley's much more stronger. Um, what else would I like? I'd really like a season seven story that has the great intelligence in it and a sort of sequel to two Yeti stories of Chowton. But yeah, I think they're my major things. And if we're gonna take that clearly nonsense leak that came out at the start of the year whenever. I really, really, really hope and pray that that Halloween anthology with with the third Doctor is true because that's like a perfect thing for me. I really want some more horror-themed third Doctor stories. Have it all written by Tim Foley, I don't care. Just give me the goods, you know? Absolutely. Uh, Connor, what about you? Um... A couple of things I I would love them to do a Sarah Jane and Auton story sort of to complete you know yes. what almost should be a trilogy you know where you have Spearhead from Space with Liz you have Terror of the Autons with Joe I think we need an Auton story with Sarah Jane to round that out absolutely I would love them to do a story with Sarah Jane Smith and Liz Shaw coming back you know mm. um because Liz has gone back to Cambridge but if they're ever going to bring in a consultant from outside it should be Liz Shaw. You know, oh, um, again, absolutely. I think you know, as much as I love Joe Grant and as much as I love Katie Manning, I think on paper, Liz Shaw and Sarah Jane Smith are such strong characters. I'd love to hear them together. I um, agree. Um, my major want for the range is something that was started with the Unzal incursion and almost feels a little, you know, it almost feels a wee bit like a pilot for season seven B, where we have. There's a gap there between on on TV. There's a gap between season seven and season eight, in which we lose Liz, and I would love to see that explored on screen. Um, and why she eventually decides to leave Unit, I would love them to introduce. They've done it a few times. They do it in the Unzal Incursion with Sergeant Atta, and they've done it um in Storm of the Horrifacts 
um, with um, Paul Hardy, where they've added their own original unit members. And I'd love them because they have the freedom to do it, you know, build out their own continuity throughout that. If they go and do season 7B, tell Liz a story, build their own continuity, bring in their own unit members and have a wee bit more of a recurring cast, more than just the Brigadier and, and Yates and Benton. Um, that's my, those are my three major wishes for the third Doctor. I, I have another wish that I've just thought of. Could I have checked my list again? <laughs> I have another list. Um, a story, or just that two stories where, the, like, set in between ten and eleven, where the doctor, where the brigadier, accidentally ends up with the doctor, goes on two adventures or something. I'd really like the doctor to take the brigadier to an alien world for like six parts, and him trying to get his head around it properly. Like, we got the three doctors, but this is—I really want him like properly in the action of an alien world. I'd really like, I'd really like a set with. The, um, a droopy third doctor because he's missing Joe being lumped with the brigadier for a set. I think that'd be quite humorous. Yeah, I think um, that that sort of between season 10 and 11 era, it's one that's not really been explored, but I think Big Finish have started to kind of make the way into there. Um, we had Terror of the Master uh, set there. It was released with Masterful, the special edition. I thought that was a great story. Um, it was sort of a bit of a, pr- a pilot for the audio novels as well, uh, and it worked. Mm. It really did work. Um, I suppose I agree that this range, at this point, desperately needs the Master. It's hugely missing an era-specific Master, the Delgado Master. Um, I, I would do it with Jeffrey Beavers. So yes. I, I would bring in Jeffrey Beavers before he, he's in his injured state, because um, I think that's shown in... in I, think, I think we hear the story... Um, of how he becomes, you know, that decayed form. Do it with with Jeffrey Beavers and give him a, a pre crispy era. Mm, I'd we could kill for that. We could even have a, a he's just regenerated story. We don't need to see the regeneration, but we could have a a Beavers master first story, perhaps. Uh, I yes. quite like that. Yes. Uh, the other thing that uh, I'd like is, I mean, uh, Connor mentioned it is. The um, like season seven B essentially another another sort of runner stories with Liz Shaw, Liz Shaw's exit maybe even being depicted on audio. Adapt uh, Scales of Injustice, please. Oh, <laughs> I love that good. book. That would be good. Um, but I'd like some kind of storyline there. I'd Unzel Incursion kind of hinted that maybe it was going into storyline territory. I know that really what it was doing was serving as a kind of prequel to the master turning up in season eight but i'd quite like there to be some kind of linked storyline through liz stories uh even if it's just sort of four or five releases nothing massive but a sort of a cohesive second season for liz that we never got on tv yeah um yeah. but yeah i think uh the both of you have probably beaten me to it on any anything on the wish list? I think you've both got it right there. I just, I just really, I just want to add quickly. I think recording this podcast, Connor was the best person to do it with for me because I think we're both on similar wavelengths when it comes to the range. So I think, I think we've all had a really good discussion today about it because we're all on the on a similar wavelength of how much we love it. I mean, it, there are still people out there that 
won't do these. They'll they won't do a recast. They won't do. Mm. And you know what? They're missing out. It, it, I I appreciate the reasoning. I appreciate that they want to stick to stuff with the original cast and so on. But honestly, this range is so rewarding, and it is proof, definitive proof that recasts at big finish can work and indeed should work because we are getting this amazing second wind for the third doctor that even 10 years ago we'd never possibly have imagined would happen so yeah it's it's an absolutely incredible range um continuing the adventures of an incredible doctor and Mm -hmm. one thing we kind of haven't mentioned and i'm just going to very quickly before we uh sort of before we check out is um John Pertwee was fantastic. He was a brilliant doctor. He was the perfect person to come in and play that doctor in 1970, well, 69 when he was cast, 1970. And I think that um, Doctor Who's longevity really is down to how he played it and what he brought to the role. Um, So, yeah, John Pertwee was excellent and... Tim Trelaw is also excellent. He he's, he really is bringing Pertwee back to life through this range. Um, and it, it's, I it's think they all do an incredible job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, long may this range continue and continue mm-hmm. to be as successful and brilliant as it has been so far. Um, but that is all we've got time for. So I will say thank you and goodbye to you, Connor. Thank you very much. And thank you and goodbye to Jane. Bye-bye. And we shall be back for further spodcasting next week once the polarity has been reversed. Goodbye now.